cocaine got stigmatized where it used to be a medicine and then all of a sudden it was you know a schedule one drug the, the, the drug war has been a failure a complete failure people like kids who went through the dare program were more likely to do drugs <laughs> <laughs> that certainly wouldn't surprise me drug actually. Raids. yeah well the the militarization of the police i think sort of began in this time frame when when they they started building up SWAT teams and it seems like they're um really overdoing it <laughs> you know like SWAT teams for drugs kitchen sink microscopy i'm casey rochford and i'm eric rosenblatt and uh yeah what do you think we should discuss today well you know i've been thinking a lot lately about the kind of national trend towards states legalizing marijuana um and, and in fact now there's bills at the federal level to do the oh. same across the whole really? country and there's actually kind of a lot of interest in it um, and so I think, I think it would be appropriate to maybe discuss the, the drug war. I mean, you know, we could talk about a lot of different things, but maybe just talk about the drug war in general right now. Yeah, that sounds good. That, um, that's been going on. Hi, oh, you have a dare cup. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so the, the war on drugs is, uh, that kind of got started with, uh, Nancy Reagan, didn't it? Uh, no, it began quite a ways before. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it started, if I recall, early early 1900s for certain things. Um, uh -oh. oh, yeah, I was just talking about the uh, the coin phrase, the war oh. on drugs. I, yeah, that was I mean, the D.A.R.E. program. And yeah. Things like that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I believe it was around that time. Um, yeah, but definitely there has been uh, a long-standing stigma against drugs. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them that just kind of popped up over time, like arbitrarily, uh, marijuana being one of them. Um, mm -hmm. Cocaine got stigmatized where it used to be a medicine, and then all of a sudden it was, you know, a Schedule One drug. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know if the transition was quite that quick, but. I, I don't really know the history on the, the schedule drug classifications where that actually began, but uh, that'd be interesting yeah. to look at. We, we probably should look at that up at some point in time. It'd be kind of interesting to see the yeah. history of that um, and, and confirm what I've heard people say that some of these uh, things, particularly marijuana, uh, banning marijuana had some kind of racist motivation. Um, hmm. So that would be interesting to find out if that's actually correct or not. Um, yeah. But I, I think truly the, it's pretty evident at this point to, to anybody that's really paying attention to it that the, the drug war has been a failure, a complete Absolutely. failure. 
there's there's really no point, nothing in it that I could point to as an actual success, um, because people are still using things even though they're illegal, and we're putting people in prison. In fact, we have probably one of the largest prison populations in the world. And I, I think um, somewhere I've heard that there's like half a million people in prison just for drugs. Probably a great proportion of those are marijuana, um, which really doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I'd like to dig into the actual like qualifications for imprisoning someone based on drug use. I don't know that it's uh, quite as dire a situation as people are making it out. Like, oh, if you get caught smoking pot, you're going to do 20 years. I, I really don't think it's that harsh. I think they're doing that more for dealers, uh, the, the longer sentences. But, um, you know, I, I also remember a study a long time ago. The gist of it was basically like, people like kids who went through the dare program were more likely to do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> that certainly wouldn't surprise me actually, um, because you can't just tell people not to do something and have it be effective. It doesn't work like that. In fact, it yeah. works probably the opposite. Yeah. I mean, the same thing's probably happening with sex education. Like, Oh, sex is a thing. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and when you tell somebody not to do it, suddenly it's, it's appealing. Um, and, and people may do it to, to rebel or, or something like that. So, you know, it doesn't really, doesn't have the intended effect um, yeah. at all. Especially like I, I grew up in a Catholic school. So it was, there was definitely a lot of rebelling uh, that I saw a lot of my classmates go through as they aged. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, I think um, the, the, the cost of the drug war also is another thing. It's been very, very, very expensive. Um, a number I've heard is that their criminal justice expenditures across the board, not just federally, but within the states and local uh, jurisdictions, that, that it, it totals up to about $100 billion a year spent on drug enforcement. Wow, that's that's insane. That's like if they legalized everything today and taxed it all, I don't even know that they would bring in that much money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it, it depends. I, you know, personally, I think if, you know, marijuana is a good start, but I don't understand why we treat alcohol addiction or addiction to eating or, or any other sort of thing like that as, as a medical condition or a mental health condition um, but suddenly, if it's if it's one of these few categories of drugs, all of a sudden, no, we don't treat it uh, in a medical way. We treat it in a criminal way. And whether you're, you know, obviously, I have a feeling you're you're right about the uh, personal use is not as dramatic. Um, but nevertheless, it why is it treated as a criminal thing? Yeah, and. The tax there money that options for marijuana actually, uh, they're just not well known. Uh, marijuana Anonymous or MA is is actually a thing. Um, I dated somebody who had a let's say a very strong inclination to smoke pot a lot and mm -hmm. call it an addiction or, or what, but um, she yeah. participated. MA a few times uh, trying to 
break free of that cycle. And she was ultimately not successful because it, it is really something that is actually addicting. Uh, sure. And, well, so are many things though. Again, like yeah. I said, food even. But in particular, uh, people downplay that one. Um, in, in, in general, a lot of people are under the assumption that it's 100% non-addictive. Well, not, like, maybe not physically, but yeah, obviously it could be mentally. Well, absolutely physically. Yeah, you it, think it, so? affects, it affects dopamine receptors. And so uh, anything that does that um, in varying degrees, of course, will have an addictive quality to it. So um, coffee as well? <laughs> coffee as well, cigarettes, mm -hmm. sex. But yeah. you get into the stronger stuff that like uh, marijuana is, you know, somewhere between a cigarette and cocaine, but it's, it's definitely more addictive because it's affecting dopamine a lot more. You know, uh, um, if you're using it daily and you're like, I could stop any day. Um, I mean, yes, you probably could with some willpower a little easier than uh, meth, you know? Yeah. But, well, uh, that might be true, but there, there is definitely a physiological uh, connection that is made. Uh, between feeling good and using the drug mm -hmm. and addiction Certainly. is very possible. That's true. I, now, why don't, why don't we talk a little bit about the policing side of things? Yeah. Um, the, the effects of that, um, because you know, it does, it's, it's obvious that it costs a lot of money um, and there's a lot of people in jail at great expense. We have to pay for that. Yeah. Um, but there's other, other um, side effects of this drug war drug raids yeah well the the militarization of the police i think sort of began in this time frame when when they they started building up swat teams and ha they have all kinds of crazy equipment mraps and everything it's all now it's about terrorism of course that's where some of that stuff's coming from but th it was definitely a heavy militarization um, and a completely different change in attitude of, of the police, um, which oh, yeah, also there's consequences like the civil asset forfeiture, uh, which is absolutely tied I'm into the drug. Actually, war. familiar with that? Could you um, give me like a brief synopsis of what yeah. what goes on there? Sure. Um, so, so the way it works uh, is, let's say you're. Uh, driving along, you, maybe you, you take some money out of the bank, right? Um, this is this is a classic example that has actually happened many times. You take some money out of the bank because you're going to buy a car from somebody on Craigslist, right? They, they say, okay, this car is $12,000. Uh, you know, just come and buy it. You get $12,000 cash. You have it in your car. You're driving to go meet somebody. Cops pull you over for burned out taillight or whatever. And they see that money there. Or maybe they, for whatever reason, decide that they need to inspect your car. Maybe there's some probable cause or something. And they find that money. They can just take it. Because the assumption is, if you have that much money, you must be a drug dealer or a drug user. Um, and they can take it. And there's really not much you could do about it. You could try to get it back, but you may not. And, and they, they, they seize all manner of things. Also, if there's, say... Uh, Another situation where maybe you do have a, a quantity of some of some illicit drug in your house or something, or maybe you are a dealer um, and you get raided. Well, anything of value that you have could be seized 
it could be your house, it could be a boat, it could be a car, it could be computers, just anything really. Like a, a, just arbitrarily take something, whether or not it might have anything to do with the crime in question. Yep. Yeah, because they just say, well, it's probably because that's this drug money that you bought it with. It, you know, that's how you got these things. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty darn ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, a lot of cases, too, without any actual evidence, merely just having a substantial quantity of cash on you can constitute a, a, a seizure like that. It, it, they, they, don't, they don't find any drugs. They just You just happen to have... A bunch of cash and so they say oh it has to be drugs and they'll take it and that's a product of the of the drug war and i don't i, I think that it's very harmful to society yeah that's that is a really interesting topic we should dive into that more when we discuss um the abuses of power that um the that come with the police department um I think that would be a really interesting topic to go over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should certainly put that on the agenda. Yeah. Um, you, you, the thing is, I, I think, you know, my, personally, I think that, that people should be able to use whatever they want, even if it's harmful, because it's your body and you should be able to decide what goes into it um, and how you use your body. Um, well, obviously, there's some people who believe otherwise, um, but it, this is, this is a, a case of, of prohibition failing, not the proof that it doesn't work. It's the same thing with the uh, alcohol prohibition in the 30s. It was a complete failure and it built, it created gangs. Yeah, the, the only positive thing that came out of it was, was uh, uh, health related. Um, I, I I wrote down this source and then I accidentally threw it away. I'd probably yeah. dig it out of the trash maybe later, but uh, <laughs> there, there was a, a whole paper written on this um, and uh, it, it actually detailed how the um, amount of alcohol consumption definitely decreased because there's, there's a lot of people that will just say, oh, well, it's illegal. I'm not going to do it. But that effect was still in play long after the end of prohibition it lasted until the 1970s hmm. that's uh, pretty interesting yeah like uh, but, people were basically just like well you know made it fine without drinking i guess i don't because they just keep on keeping on you know and like yeah. whatever the reason was they just didn't drink that much and then uh culture started to change and you know now we're back back up there right around yeah. the levels that we were before prohibition um, hmm. but yeah there was definitely still drinking going on there was definitely still alcohol being produced because oh, yeah <laughs> because you know there was a big hit to the economy like all the breweries were gone all of them mm -hmm. they were all shut down and they all they all thought i was reading in this paper they all thought oh beer is such a low alcohol content especially back then mm -hmm. but we're, we're not going to we're not going to be affected by this prohibition. Oh, yep, they were. Huh. <laughs> Lots of people lost their jobs. Well, and there's there's a whole system in there, not just the breweries, but the distribution and the stores that sell it and all that. Farmers. Uh, bars, all the bars and everything. Um, 
Yeah, the thing is that that sort of effect where where you improve the general well-being of people, people drink less, that could be achieved without all of the drama that came with the prohibition era. Education, um, there's many different ways. It doesn't necessarily take the force of arms to, to, to change people's minds in that regard, or rather it shouldn't. Yeah. Um, it's strange though that that effect was seen with alcohol, but I, I, I believe the exact opposite is going on with drugs. Um, you know, drugs as in like other than alcohol, mm -hmm. um, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, like the dare program kind of pushed people into using more, <laughs> um, <laughs> whether or not that that was a real thing, but, uh, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't know that there's anything showing that, uh, the war on drugs created a decline in use. Um, I know, no, <laughs> no, because simply making something illegal, uh, doesn't change the demand for something that people want, whatever it might be. Um, you know, there's many things that, that we could probably discuss in that regard. Uh, prostitution is one of those. Mm -hmm. there's a demand for and regardless of the law people are going to do it and the thing is in the case of uh drug prohibition and the drug war um it, it all it does is make things less safe and and unknown you don't necessarily know what it is that that you're buying because there's no standards um it also creates an underground economy that's completely free of taxation um, and regulation, it, you know, it, it's not transparent to the public at all. Um, right. And also it creates, because of the, the scarcity and the, the lucrative nature of, of things like that, it also creates violence. That violence is a product of that sort of competition. It's not just like one business competing with another across the street and their, their means of co competing is just better ads or a flashier sign. No, they... <laughs> people kill each other. Yeah. And it's also wasting a lot of time, uh, for law enforcement. Uh, they, they really are spending precious hours, uh, trying to bust drug deals where they could be, you know, responding to actual violent crimes or, you know, sure. sure absolutely. And I mean, I, I have a problem with a lot of time wasting, things that the police do but that's that's another topic uh but th th this in particular is is absolutely ridiculous because um as i alluded to earlier like drug raids are highly dangerous people innocent people get killed uh when they bust into the neighbor's house instead of the the, the one that they were supposed to and yeah. they just start shooting and they kill people and oh, whoops and they get away with it Oh, you know, in fact, just recently I was reading an article about, um, I, I wish I had it in front of me, um, but there was a couple living in a house or something, uh, and the police had some sort of tip that they were dealing heroin or something like that, and they got a no-knock warrant, and basically late at night, I think it was, or early in the morning, as is usually the case, they just busted in the door, plain clothes too, at least from what, if I recall, they were in plain clothes, they just busted in the door in the middle of the night, 
didn't alert anybody as to who they were, what they were doing there. And of course, the couple that was there, they freaked out. They thought, oh my God, this is a home invasion. And they started shooting. And I think one cop was shot, or several were shot, and I think one died. So the cops returned fire and killed both of these people. And it turns out after they did a search of the place, they found nothing. There was no heroin at all. Of course. And this happens all the time. You know, you get the wrong, people get bust into the wrong house and they get the dog shot just because. Yeah, yeah that when, just when, happened recently. This doesn't happen with, with other sorts of uh, encounters with the police for other sorts of things. That, that At least it didn't used to. I think it's been driven up by this war on drugs. The, this yeah. sort of military action aspect of it. Um, SWAT teams and things like that. And it doesn't yeah, it, do us any good. It seems like they're um, really overdoing it. <laughs> you know, like SWAT teams for drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it, these these aren't like inherently violent uh, crimes, if, if you will. Like, there's certainly some violence that can be associated with it just because sure, of sure. nature but uh, it's it's a, a ridiculous overkill to come in with guns blazing absolutely and you you kind of get what you deserve there like mm-hmm. i've got no sympathy for for uh what happened there uh, yeah and it's a tragedy that that it did happen and it, yeah i mean i have sympathy for the, the couple that was innocent and died but like mm-hmm. as far as the police doing what they did that was just stupid you know <laughs> sure and, and i'm sure just to there, there was kind of a uh, probably a level of impatience to to get the bad guys basically and they didn't spend any time doing any proper research to, yeah. to verify it's it's just there's this kind of craze to to get as many of these people as you possibly can, and then you end up with uh, you know corruption issues where there's planting of drugs in order to oh, get people. Yes, you know, like it's just ridiculous um, when when you think about it. This is you know, like you you make a good point. Like people probably should have uh, the choice to do whatever substance they please um you know given that i think there should be like some pretty heavy like proper education about uh the effects of it like dare was more like don't do this rather than like telling you what those drugs actually do dare was definitely more of a fear-mongering sort of thing uh like a lot of sex ed yeah fear-mongering doesn't work i mean like 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 terrorism like everyone's <laughs> deathly afraid of that word and it gets stamped on everything um and and it's basically just a fear tactic to do whatever but yeah exactly and people believe the the that if they just make it sound bad that people are just going to avoid it well no it actually makes it more enticing to certain people um the thing is i it, I, I think it would be more beneficial if, if we just simply made everything legal with a tax, um, like we do with many other drugs out there. And if there's a tax, the tax money then should go towards treatment. Yeah. 
Now, now the thing about that is, you know, we live here in Washington and we have um, statewide legal marijuana. Um, it's mm -hmm. a great fuzzy area on the federal level still, but, um, and how they interact. But uh, the point is the taxes that are coming in from marijuana, which are quite substantial, uh, oh. that is supposed yeah. to go to treatment, I think. And uh, it's not. Well, I think in this case, it, it, I, I don't think that marijuana is as much a scourge as certain other things as far as its effect on a person's life or their health. I, I you know, maybe certain people in certain situations um, but if, if everything were legal, certainly you would want uh, to, to fund treatment for heroin addiction and meth addiction. And I mean, anything, opiates in general, um, those are the sorts of things that, that money should be going to. There's a lot of things like hallucinogens. Those, those aren't really a threat. Um, and another thing, here's another negative impact of, of the things being scheduled that way classified as they are, um, is that there's really no room for uh, research, for medical research. And, and there's some promising, uh, before some of these things were banned, there was some very promising results in, in research, and that all got cut off. That's, that's partially true. There is research being done on these things. Um, but it's very limited, though. Yeah. Like it's, it's definitely harder to get the quantities that they need for like a robust study, but they're, um, they're allotted enough to get like uh, at least a general idea of effectiveness and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of people take that and run with it. Um, and, and really it, it like, we do need more robust studies. Um, I would, I would say that um, regarding like the medical use of marijuana, and we could do like a whole show on this, mm -hmm. but um, I, I'd say that the only like substantial evidence that might be out there for a medical use is for epilepsy. And it makes sense because epilepsy is an overactivity of your electricity in your brain, basically. Mm -hmm. And and uh, marijuana is a nervous system depressant. So it, it makes sense that that would uh, stem off uh, seizures. Sure. But, uh, so, well, in, there may be things that we haven't yet discovered yet because there's the limited amount of research that can be done. Yeah. I think, um, well, and there's, there's situations, there's, there's some examples of, of different countries legalizing or, or decriminalizing everything like Portugal would be one. There's, there's some other countries that have done it. Um, and the effect isn't what people would have you believe it is the, that, Oh, everyone's going to be running through the streets completely just spaced out of their mind and high and just drugged up. It, it doesn't happen that way. Um, uh, slippery slope fallacy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and they, they, they said that in Washington about marijuana legalization. You know, I remember all those ads and everything about how once it's legal, there's just going to be kids getting a hold of it or something. Of course, it's always the kids that are used as, as the, the wedge to make, state that case. 
Actually, I think uh, Colorado legalized around the same time. And I think I saw a study where there was actually an increase of children being hospitalized for um, marijuana toxicity. Uh, well, like, and that may be a temporary thing, too. I mean, obviously, it's fairly new. So we don't know if this is the effect of sort of the, the party time uh, effect. Yeah, but I, I mean, ultimately, they were under the impression that legalizing it and and having it restricted to age 21 and up would somehow prevent uh, children from getting their hands on it as easily. Well, of course not. In fact, the you can you could look at the the example of alcohol or tobacco that exactly you can yeah. get those things anyway. I mean, yeah. even even if marijuana was still illegal, um, kids could still get a hold of it. Maybe maybe it's not as prevalent, but certainly they could still get a hold of it. And then what are they getting? It's probably easier to be honest because you know the way kids often would get beer just standing outside a store that sells beer and finding a lackey who's willing to go in and buy them beer. And you couldn't really do that if you had to like be on in the know of like who was a dealer and who wasn't because it was all shifty, shady, back alley stuff. And you know, maybe yeah. it is a little easier for kids to get a hold of it now, but like. Well, the, the thing is, okay, maybe it does happen, but is it really the scourge that, that, we were told it was going to be it was like the way the ads and the way politicians and various individuals who were against it were talking were, was like it was going to be an apocalypse yeah and yeah it's clearly not, it's not yeah it's not as dire as as that i mean there are um developmental obstructions that can come from drug use at a young age like um your brain doesn't stop developing until you're 25 actually like i would i would kind of think it would make more sense to have the legal age be 25 for things like alcohol and marijuana that actually strongly affect your brain development maybe um, well certainly at least public education i mean educating the public that is um, yeah. would would help if it were honest instead of the the, the past drug education that we had we actually were honest with people and explained things. Um, maybe people could make a better decision about their usage of these things. Uh, plus, it, 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 if it were just legal, there wouldn't be a rebellious nature to using it. Right. So that might be a benefit there too. I think it's a very complex topic that we, we couldn't possibly fit into a, a short analysis uh you know maybe we should get some more information and yeah and well, that's that. that's how all our episodes go isn't it <laughs> pretty much yeah that's true yeah <laughs> uh, we kind of bite off more than we could chew in some cases yeah <laughs> could it, we couldn't possibly record for 24 hours straight or could we hmm hmm challenge we could try that yeah <laughs> oh well that's uh -oh. probably about all the time we've got for this uh, particular yeah, at this moment. I think so. That That's a good point to conclude, I think. Uh, so if anybody has uh, questions or comments, um, feel free to leave them and keep the conversation going. Uh, thanks for deep sync diving with us. <laughs> and uh, check out the uh, music on your way out. Yeah. All right. Bye, everyone.